98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Burns and Gambo starts now. now. Straight up to o'clock on this Labor Day afternoon. Good afternoon, and I am not Dave Burns. Sounded I pretty it, good, though. I made it that far, and that that's good. pretty cool. Mitch Vareldis, Steve Zinsmeister here with me. We've got Eric Ruby doing updates. We've got Jesse Morrison behind the glass. Great got, job, Mitch. Thank you. Fernsey would have been proud of that, I feel like. I I hope so. you got to save that and show it to him. That was good. I'll, I'll give it my best go. What do you think, Eric? You're the one that does the show with us every day. I was actually about to go clip it and save it so we oh, can show no. it to them tomorrow. Oh, boy. I did myself in. Well, so we got an hour of this show today on this Labor Day. And then right after us, we got Diamondbacks baseball. Ryan Nelson going to start. Just It'll got be called up from AAA. D-backs uh, pregame 3 o'clock. It'll be good. I'm looking forward to it. I'm very excited about this Diamondbacks team, and we'll go more into why. But right now, it's like the baseball game's on and the Diamondbacks are playing. I kind of want to watch it. I kind of want to watch it. They're uh, eight and a half games back of a wild card. Not going to say it's impossible, but it's not likely. But you're, you're it's not to. likely. It's you're not going. Likely. We'll talk more about that later. But of course, this is week one of the NFL season. The Cardinals were back on the practice field. Let's tell you what our top story of the day is here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, the way in. Brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss. It's going to be a game time deal. We'll continue to progress him, and hopefully Wednesday he can do something. Um, and he's a guy that if he even has limited practices, there'll, there'll be a role for him, but we'll see how it plays out. Cliff Kingsbury today talking about Marcus Golden, who I think was the name that caught a lot of the beat writers' attention. Uh, Tyler Drake has a full story on pr- practice updates from today, but they don't even know if he's going to play week one yet. I'm so torn over the Marcus Golden situation. He's one of the most lovable guys on the team. He's one of the best dudes in the locker room. He's one of the hardest workers. Um, I think that he had, statistically speaking, one of the best seasons of any Cardinal on the defense last year with 11 sacks. Uh, He deserves... I I think there's this weird thing where he... like Obviously, he wants to be paid more. I think that's pretty clear at this point, where it felt like he was holding out, holding in kind of thing. And now it looks like he's probably injured. Is that for real? Is it not for real? I, I don't know. There's so many question marks around it, but he's I, such a nice guy that he'll never just come out and say, like, hey, this is why I'm doing this. Well, he kind of has. He's voiced his frustrations on Twitter already this offseason and this training camp. And he even came on this station and voiced his frustrations and what he wants from the team. I mean, with respect, he's severely underpaid right now. For the production that he gave this team last year. So I would I would prefer to believe that he's holding in over the fact that he's injured. Because if he's injured, then I'm just starting to worry, okay, when is he actually going to play? Because they desperately need him on that outside. Yeah, drama aside, here's the truth of the matter. The Cardinals defense needs Marcus Golden at his best if they're going to be up to snuff. Very much so. Because I don't have a lot of faith in this defense. And I know that we haven't actually seen them play a single snap of important football yet, but... You lose your best player, well, one of your best players in Chandler Jones. That hurts. You replace him with two rookies. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's impossible that those guys are going to be talented and good. I'm just saying it's, we don't know yet. It's a question mark. Uh, the defensive line, J.J. Watt's great and everything, but he played seven games last season. Yep. Those defensive tackles don't 
really impress me all that much. Defensive line, a lot of questions. Outside linebacker, Devon Kennard wasn't good enough to make this team? Lots of yeah, questions. That's a good marks. point. Inside linebacker. Yeah, you got a lot of talent. I like Isaiah Simmons a lot, but they're playing him in that star backer role. He's all over the place doing a bunch of different things. Zaven Collins is far from a proven finished product on this football field. I'm not totally sold on Nick Vigil, but I, I, I like having him there as a veteran presence. The cornerback room we've talked about ad nauseum is just lacking depth. So if the defense is going to be at least, at the least, solid, Marcus Golden has to be on the field and producing well. It would make the both of us, and I'm sure a lot of other fans, too, feel a lot better given you know all the names that you listed already that they've lost. And yeah, Devon Kennard, basically, with all the injuries and all the faith that they're putting in these young guys, it was a very surprising cut when it happened. You mentioned J.J. Watt. He's still recovering from COVID-19. Cliff Kingsbury with an update today. Same deal. Yeah, still working through it all. Still working through it all. That makes me feel I get that, dude. I had COVID a couple weeks back. It's brutal. It took me like five five days probably to get over the whole thing. There was also a new face on the defense that was at practice today, although he did not practice, and that's cornerback Trayvon Mullen. Cliff Kingsbury, his thoughts on Mullen? We'd like to tape. I mean, big athletic corner that can run. Um plays physical I mean, a lot of things that, that fit what we do and, and want to do and uh, so I'm, I'm very glad that we were able to acquire him when we did so they like everything about him okay and then Trayvon Mullen met with the media shortly after and he was asked where his health stands right now because he did not practice today I'm good I'm doing pretty good um, my recovery came coming along good everything's been well um, I feel good feeling good just ready to play ball at this point which is weird I hear feeling good a lot and yet he did not practice today yeah and i i could understand if anybody wanted to question if that was because he's still trying to get up to speed on how this defensive scheme works and that's part of it when you bring in a new player right that it takes time to learn the scheme before you actually see playing time on the other hand is the best strategy to just throw him feet to the fire and have him learn on the field my press preference is once he has somewhat of a grasp of the scheme Throw him out on the field and let him make his mistakes on the practice field so that the first experience he gets isn't game action. So, like, as soon as And I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, but he could practice the rest of the week. It's possible. I I mean, I agree with you about not wanting him to make mistakes in game, but I think the less days that you get him out there with the guys, the less opportunities you have to get him ready. And we know for a fact that he needs to be ready on Sunday. You won't have Antonio Hamilton. You have Byron Murphy and Marco Wilson guaranteed. And behind that, there's not a ton of cornerback depth that's super familiar with the system. The other guy, they just claimed off of waivers from the Jets, Javelin Gidry. They don't have a lot of experience yet. These guys need to be practicing right now. I don't, I don't really care if they screw up the plays. They need to get in there and work with this team now. I guess I got to count my blessings here because Trayvon Mullen, the trade for him is kind of exactly what we talked about a week and a half ago when we were on our show, Arizona Sports Saturday, talking about how do they fill that gap? How do they bring in another corner? And I threw out the suggestion of Steve Kime doing what he had done years ago when he traded for Marcus Cooper, which I'd forgive you if you already forgot about Marcus Cooper, but (laughs) they traded a, a late conditional draft pick to the Chiefs 
for Marcus Cooper, who was basically their fifth or sixth corner and would have been the second or third corner on the on the Cardinals. Right. And he came in and he made it to the Pro Bowl. I think he was an alternate, but still, you go to the Pro Bowl. That's He still made it. Like That's a pretty good deal. Yes. Now, there's absolutely no guarantee that if you did that again in this situation that Mullen is going to go to the Pro Bowl. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, but it's one option for bringing in another team's depth becomes your depth. And so Trayvon Mullen, for what it's worth, he was the 40th pick. He was a second-round pick. He was a highly drafted cornerback out of Clemson. Played yeah. with Isaiah Simmons at Clemson. I've heard a lot of things about he was the defensive MVP when they won the national championship with Clemson. There's something to that. I believe that there's a lot of talent in this kid. Uh, it, it's unfortunate. I, I'm, I'm a little... Uh, I'm a little confused as to why he didn't play today. It sounds like there's a little bit of injury there, but also maybe trying to catch him up to speed. I just hope that we see him on the practice field sooner rather than later. So you and I, can we agree that we look at this as a depth move, acquiring Trayvon Mullen? Yeah, I mean, like he's not part, your number one. Like part of it is obviously his skill set, but then the other part of it is, is they lack so much already. Right. Trayvon Mullen was asked whether he looks at this as a new opportunity or rather he sees himself as more of a depth fill. I just look at it as a new opportunity. Um, I didn't do too much of that, too much research or whatever it is that comes with that part, but I just look at it as a new opportunity. Um, that's all I That's all I can say. And like with respect to his answer, what? He's going to go up there and say, oh, they just needed depth. They no. just needed a guy. They just needed a body. No, no he this would is never a new opportunity for him within his first contract. He wants to prove himself. Yeah, and you see this with guys all across the league at all sorts of different positions, especially skill positions. You just want the opportunity to play. So that's intriguing to him. Well, if the Raiders weren't going to play me, then maybe the Cardinals will. This could be a good thing for me. It's the same thing we're seeing out of Andy Isabella right now. Played well enough in the preseason that maybe he deserved a spot on the team. But he might be in favor of going elsewhere to find a bigger opportunity. Could he be the number three receiver on another team, whereas he's five or six with the Cardinals? It's the same thing. Everybody wants what's best for them, and a lot of the time, that's playing time. Can we tangent on that subject real quick? Sure, go ahead. Because I sent you a story that there was a PFF writer who noted that Isabella was one of the standouts of Cardinals camp. Yes, and and he he, was. And he made the 53-man roster. Absolutely. He made it. But I think you and I both agree that for Andy, and I mean, you just spoke to it a second ago, making the roster is not good enough for him anymore. He needs to play. And it shouldn't be. He shouldn't be satisfied with just making the roster and being the fifth or sixth guy, especially if he's not going to be asked to be the special teams guy, because that looks like it's going to be Greg Dortch. But I'm curious, do you, Steve Zinsmeister, see a spot for Isabella in these first six weeks? Because you know DeAndre Hopkins is out. Do you think they go four wide at all? Or do yeah. you think he's the first one in a three wide receiver set? Um, I think he can see the field, certainly. I don't think it'll be a lot. I think that there's a role for him. I think that he could be the one to spell Rondell Moore a lot of the time. I find their game to be fairly similar. They're both super fast dudes. Um, so, yeah, I think he's going to see some time in those first six weeks in particular. But if he doesn't shine or ball out in the first six weeks, does he get buried when DeAndre Hopkins comes back? Because you know that guy's going to be on the field. And is that when we see the trade? Uh, maybe. Will he get that trade? That's possible. I mean, it certainly seems to be a position of depth, which is something that we haven't been able to say about the Cardinals wide receiver room in ever. Maybe. Not, not in the Larry Fitzgerald era, era for that long anyway. Coming up next... Call me crazy if you want. You are crazy. But there is reason to believe that the Diamondbacks can make the playoffs. What? This year. 
And we'll tell you how next. Mitch Veraldis, Steve Zinsmeister, in for the Burns and Gambo Show. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. Week one of the NFL season kicks off this Thursday. Text PICK, P-I-C-K, to 620-620 to sign up and compete against Dan Bickley for your chance at the grand prize of a 75-inch TV courtesy of Corona Extra. Weekly winners will receive an NFL jersey of their choice. How cool is that? And a $50 gift card to cold beers and cheeseburgers. Just text PICK to 620-620. Mitch Vereldis, Steve Zinsmeister filling in for Burns and Gambo today. We've got you for this hour only. And then we're going to turn things over to the Diamondbacks radio network, and they'll get you ready for Diamondbacks Padres later on today. 0.0%. Do you know what that signifies, Steve? Uh, that, that would be my grades in high school. No, no, no? not right. quite. Well, I mean, granted, I didn't know your grades in high school. So nah, if that I was, was actually case, a pretty good student for what it's worth. 0.0%. According to fan graphs, represents the Arizona Diamondbacks' chance to make the playoffs this season. Well, that doesn't seem very nice. It doesn't seem nice. 0.0? But it's eight and a half back. Is it completely realistic? As of today, I don't think 0.0 is realistic enough. Here's what I would tell you it's not zero, but it's also not very high. You're eight and a half games back. I realize that you have a handful of games against the Padres. So, I mean, if you win all those games against the Padres, Steve, this just I guess it. anything's possible. It's not just the Padres. It's three against the Padres, then three against the Dodgers, then four more against the Padres, then five against the Dodgers in four days, then three against the Giants, and then after two with the Astros, three more with the Giants, and three more with the Brewers. But what's your point? They're facing the direct competition that is in their way. Yeah, but the Do- and they're beating them. But most of what you just read was Dodgers. That's the best team, probably in baseball. So I, that that goes against your point. I, I don't want to face the Dodgers. You're not catching the Dodgers. You're trying to catch the Padres. Of course, the, the goal Phillies. is not to catch the Dodgers anymore. The goal is to catch the teams ahead of you. And right now, the teams ahead of you are the Padres and the Brewers. Yeah, and you get. 10 games against them to close out the season. And even the Giants, who they're a half game behind right now, you've got six more games against them. Like, what I'm trying to say is, is the fate is completely in the hands of the Diamondbacks. And eight and a half is not unrealistic to say they might actually have a chance. What number would you... Albeit slim. Give me a percentage. But they have a chance. What would you put it at? Not 0.0% chance to make the playoffs, but Mitch Vareldis, you say they have a blank percent chance. Fill in the blank. Somewhere between 5 and 8%. I just think zero is completely unfair. <laughs> yeah. It's not much to go So again, of. albeit slim, because they're, based off of the strength of schedule from fan graphs, again, they're facing a strength of schedule that has a 547 winning percentage. So yeah, I get it. It's going to be tough. But I'm trying to make the point that it's not completely out of the realm of possibility, especially the way this team has played the last few weeks since the All-Star break. And I know you're, so you're detract- telling me there's a chance. Exactly, Lloyd. Exactly. And I know you're a detractor. I get it. But this has happened before. I think I'm just more realistic I, rather than detractor. Okay, realistic is fine, but I still think if you're facing the direct teams that are competing with you and against you, your chances have to be increased, right? Yeah, and listen, I, I think you and I agree more on this than we disagree. I, I agree that the percent chance is greater than zero, but also probably less than 15 or 20. So I think we're in the same ballpark here. 
Uh, I don't think this is much of an argument to be had. But is there a chance that this next month could turn into uh, the whole bubble situation with the Suns? Where there's not really high expectations, even if you were to somehow miraculously make the playoffs, it's not like anyone's picking you to get out of the first round. Yeah, that's kind of how this feels. And it could be a really cool run. If they were able to make the playoffs this season instead of having to look ahead to next season, then you've just exponentially moved up the timeline. But I don't see it as a bad thing necessarily if they don't make the playoffs and they still have a pretty nice September. No, I agree with you there. This doesn't have to be like, oh my gosh, if they don't make the playoffs, I'm going to be super duper upset. Were we expecting that after a 52-win season last year? No. Gosh, no. No. But here is my comp. And, of course, it's slightly different than the Diamondback situation. But in 2011, after getting swept by the Dodgers, the St. Louis Cardinals dropped to 67-63. and This is back in 2011. It put their chances of making the playoffs, which at that time was only four teams, at 4.3%. Do you know, and I'm sure you do, do you know the outcome of that St. Louis Cardinals team from 2011? Yeah, they won the World Series. They won the World Series. They They beat the Texas Rangers. They went 18-8 and in the month of September. Wait, was that 2011? Was that the Rangers It was 2011, yeah. I can't remember. Over their last 32 games, they went 23-9, and and they erased a 10-and-a-half-game deficit. And listen, these things happen sometimes. I mean, you don't even have to look that far back. Look back at the 2019 Washington Nationals, who were one of the worst teams in baseball in the first couple of months. They were terrible after Memorial Day. They made a or couple before of, Memorial Day. They made a couple of moves at the trading deadline, and then all of a sudden they win the World Series. The Atlanta Braves, under 500 at the All-Star break last year. It happens. It happens. Now, I'm not saying that it's going to result in an Arizona Diamondbacks World Series victory or anything. But also, too, I I don't necessarily think the Diamondbacks were, like, historically bad throughout the course of this season. Yeah, they've been a lot more exciting since they called up Alec Thomas and uh, uh, McCarthy and also Corbin Carroll and all these other guys who are coming up. I'm way more excited about the team now than I was just a couple of months ago. Agreed. But I don't think they were historically bad. I mean, they were historically bad last season. Right. Because that roster was garbage. Okay, but even this year, there was the win on opening day, and then right after that, they lost, what was it, like 7 out of 10? They looked like last year's Diamondbacks again. This doesn't look like last year's Diamondbacks. No. Or hell, even first half of the year Diamondbacks. Whole new venture. It should not be out of the realm of possibility that this team could make a miraculous run, especially with a single-digit game of separation and the amount of games that they have against direct competition this closing month. Now, I get it. They're probably not better than the Dodgers, and those two games against Houston may or may not decide the whole season for them, right? But they're not that far from being at 500, which means they're not that far from getting above 500. The other factor of how the Cardinals were able to sneak into the playoffs, it takes two to tango, as the expression goes. The Atlanta Braves went 9-18 and in that September, that season. So it completely opened up the opportunity for the Cardinals to take. So if you look at the standings, who is that team that the Arizona Diamondbacks can completely overtake this final month? And I think the answer has to be San Diego. 
Yeah, they certainly haven't. Uh, I mean, for as many all-stars as they added at the trade deadline, they certainly haven't played like it. No. I, I don't feel like it, they're an insurmountable team, despite the fact that they just completely loaded up on guys. With Juan Soto, with Josh Hader, who's been historically bad since his trade, with Brandon Drury, mm-hmm. with all those pieces that were added. At, at the same time, Philadelphia is currently holding the spot for the third wild card. Diamondbacks just played pretty well against Philadelphia last Two out week. of three. They took three out of four from Milwaukee. That's another team fighting for a wild card spot. Now, the thing is, even if you make the playoffs, then you you have to deal with one of those other squads. I don't think that the Diamondbacks are better than Atlanta, though certainly the way that they've pitched. I don't think that they're better than St. Louis. I don't think they're anywhere close to the Dodgers or the Mets. So when you talk about a miraculous run, if we're talking further than just making the playoffs, I say pump the brakes. But if you want to talk about making the playoffs and possibly doing something special to end the season, yeah. It's totally in play. It's just I wouldn't put all my eggs in that basket. Here's another thing that I'm keeping my eye on. Right now, they have a minus 13 run differential. That was a lot higher earlier this year. The amount of runs that they're scoring and then proportionate to the amount of runs they are allowing has been significantly better since the All-Star break. If they can get that into a positive, I believe they'll be taken a lot more seriously than they have been these first few months. You got to look at San Francisco, too. It's interesting that they've fallen from where they were. I never really bought into San Francisco last year, even though they proved me wrong over and over and over again. I just never really bought into the players they had on the team, but everybody seemed to have a career year last year. Brandon Crawford was one of the better shortstops offensively. I thought that they had some of the best guys in the rotation. They had a nails bullpen. Right now, they're only half a game up on Arizona. So after sweeping the Phillies, you're you're maybe the third best team in the division right this second. If you're Arizona, okay. So right now, let's just call it right now. Do they make the playoffs or not? No. Do they finish 500 or better or not? I hope. I hope so. I I right okay, now but they're will they five. Or won't they? Right now they're five games under. I'm going to say no. You're going to say no. But I hope so. Okay. The way they're playing right now, it'd be hard to say. It's hard to say no, but I'm going to go no statistically. We want to get a little insight on this Cardinals opponent that they're going to be playing on Sunday. So we'll head to Kansas City, and we're going to check in with a chief great, Tim Grunhart. He is next. Mitch Vareldis, Steve Zinsmeister, filling in on the Burns and Gambo Show. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. Hey, thank you for checking out the Burns and Gambo show on this Labor Day. Steve Zinsmeister, Mitch Vareldis with you, filling in for Burns and Gambo. Week one of the NFL season is finally upon us. I'm still not sure why we take a week off between the preseason and the regular season, but here we are. We're finally preparing everybody for week one of NFL action. The Arizona Cardinals have the Kansas City Chiefs, and for that, we turn to our Chiefs expert. He's on the Arizona Sports Line right now. He is Chiefs Hall of Famer. Uh, sports radio host on 810 WHB. He is Tim Grunhard. Tim, thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Yeah, it's great to be on with you guys. We had the appetizer of a bunch of college football that started Thursday, and then there's a games on Friday and Saturday and Sunday and a game tonight. But the main course is starting this Thursday. Can't wait for the NFL season to start. Excited to be on with you guys. I'm always excited to talk with somebody from out of market about the team that is facing the Cardinals um, because I feel like you guys have perspective of our team that we might not be able to see objectively. So I guess I'll start here as an outsider as somebody who uh, works and is around the Kansas City Chiefs 
What is the expectation of this game in week one? What are some of the storylines that people in Kansas City are looking forward to in week one? Well, I think if you're looking at the, the the Cardinals and, you know, you start with Kyler Murray, you always start with the quarterback. The quarterback, the NFL is a quarterback driven league and Kyler Murray with a long term contract signed. I know there was a lot of uh, turmoil in the offseason, whether he's going to hold out or not, or whether they're going to get him signed. And, you know, now that they signed him, he's the undisputed leader of that team. So th- that's a good thing for the Cardinals. Uh, you know, they, they went out and they got Marquise Brown, who I think is an excellent wide receiver. And, and then, of course, Zach Ernst and uh, James Conner on the offensive side are really, really good. Now, Isaiah Simmons is a local kid from Kansas City, from Olathe, Kansas. So uh, we're always uh, kind of rooting for the local kids. But uh, defensively, obviously, with J.J. Uh, Watt and, uh, you know, Zach Allen and, and just the athleticism they have at the linebacker position and at the safety position for the Cardinals. And I listen to your update, and I didn't know too much about it, but I know there's some issues with the corners. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, Kansas City Chiefs, uh, they got to be on their A game to play against the Cardinals. The Cardinals are a team that, you know, you just can't uh, overlook anybody in the NFL. And, you know, the first week of the season, it's 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 like one of those, uh, you're opening that Christmas present, you're not quite sure what you got, but you know it's there. So it'll be an interesting game for both teams as they get out there and play some real football finally. I don't want to go too much into the differences of Kansas City's offense this year. I want to do that in a separate question. But I want to look at it from your personal perspective. How similarly built are these two offenses in your mind? Yeah, it's pretty interesting. You know, uh, I, I I don't think that Patrick Mahomes is as athletic as Kyler Murray, but, you know, they're both dynamic players. Uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes really kind of works within the confines of Andy Reid's offense. Uh, so, you know, both dynamic quarterbacks. Uh, both have running backs that are they're good running backs, not great running backs, but good running backs. I think both of them have, you know, really good offensive lines. Uh, I love Rodney Hudson. He was here in Kansas City. Uh, I, I got to know him when he was here, and, and I think both offensive lines are pretty solid. Uh, you know, the tight end is a big part of both offenses. Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, Travis Kelsey is is one of the top, if not the top, tight end in the league. And then, of course, Zach Ernst has just been through the ringers of the NFL for many years. So, yeah, you know, I, I think both teams can spread the ball around. Both teams uh, can move the sticks. Uh, I think it's just going to come down to, you know, execution and turnovers. And, you know, early in the season, penalties. You know, you're, you're uh, they're going to call things a little bit closer earlier in the season to kind of set the precedent, set the tone. So, you know, if you can hold on to the ball, you don't have too many penalties and you can move the sticks and be consistent. I think that's the team that's going to be able to, to uh, win the game on the offensive side. In preparation for week one of the NFL season, we're talking with Tim Grunhard. He is a Chiefs Hall of Famer and a sports host on 810 WHB as well. Uh, Tim, you kind of talked about some of the differences with the Chiefs offense this season. A a lot of outsiders like us, we look at the Chiefs and we say, well, there's no longer Tyreek Hill in that offense. You you lose a couple of other options at receiver as well. I assume that Patrick Mahomes will be fine. He'll find other people to throw to. But when you hear about the troubles that the Arizona Cardinals are having at cornerback, we had an unfortunate uh, early death of Jeff Gladney. Then uh, that was in the offseason. Then an injury to Antonio Hamilton when he spilled cooking oil on his feet. I mean, a lot of freak accidents in the cornerback room. Are the Chiefs just licking their chops? Yeah, you know, I, I I don't know if they're licking their chops or not, but, you know, because, listen, 
there are NFL players on, on the field. So, I mean, obviously at the cornerback position, they're going to have guys out there that are going to be able to compete. But, you know, I, I really think, you know, and I think there was an article that came out that the Chiefs are most likely going to be uh, predicted to be the highest scoring offense in the league again. Uh, I think it's four years in a row now that they've been predicted to be the highest scoring offense. And, and yeah, Tyreek Hill was huge, but I thought at times Patrick Mahomes kind of used Patrick Mahomes as a security blanket or his binky, for lack of a better word. Whenever things broke down, he just threw the ball up to Tyree Kill and said, hey, make a play. And uh, I thought at times that got him in trouble last year, especially when defense was playing that cover, too, and keeping Tyree Kill in front of him, and he was trying to force things in. You know, when you got guys like Travis Kelsey, obviously, who is going to get his, he's kind of like the Michael Jordan of the Bulls. He's going to get his yards. He's going to get his catches, and, you know, you just got to limit everybody else. If you look at Smith-Schuster, really hadn't played a lot in the preseason. Uh, the Chiefs are hoping to get a lot out of him. Uh, Valdez Scantlin, uh, he's got some speed, got some quickness. Uh, you know, uh, kind of a poor man's uh, Tyreek Hill. And then Hardman and uh, Moore, Moore, the, the rookie who was coming in, uh, you know, they, they have high hopes for him too. But the one thing I think you're going to see a little bit different from the Chiefs offense this year is I think you're going to see a lot of combination routes and you're going to see a lot of mesh routes. You're going to see a lot of different uh, three-by-one, two-by-two stuff where they're trying to do some, some stuff to confuse uh, secondaries. And, you know, most of the guys, uh, if, when you look at Smith-Schuster and you look at Hardman and you look at Moore, pretty good route runners. And uh, so they're going to have to be on their game, especially at the safety position, because there's going to be a lot of things to look at with the Chiefs offense, with the movement and a lot of the different uh, uh, patterns and a different pattern uh, that, you know, off the receiver tree that you're going to see from the Chiefs this year. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to feel a little bit more comfortable, I think, because he's going to he loves to throw to the windows. He loves to throw to the open spots. And uh, he really thinks that these guys can get there and he knows that they can be more consistent consistent than they were last year about getting to where they need to be as far as the play design. I look at this AFC West division now, obviously the Broncos making probably the biggest splash of the four teams acquiring Russell Wilson. You've got the Raiders improving defensively and offensively, and they've got a new brass. And then the Chargers, who were at you know, at one point, the toe-to-toe team in the AFC West against the Chiefs, just the things that they can do. Have the Chiefs become the overlooked team in that division? Are we underestimating what the Chiefs will actually do this year, do you think? Yeah, I, I think people are a little bit because I really like the defense for the Chiefs this year. You know, uh, Frank Clark came in uh, in much better shape than he has the last couple of years. And, you know, he made some adjustments both on and off the field, both in his, so, you know, his private life and in his workout. Uh, he, he looks a lot better. I think you're going to see a little bit faster, a little bit quicker, a little bit more productive Frank Clark. And then, you know, the rookie they brought out of uh, Purdue, Karloftis, they're, they're calling him Furious George. And, and I'm telling you guys, if you're going to watch one player on the football field this week and you're in Arizona and you want to see uh, what the defense is meant to be in Kansas City. You got to watch George Karloftis. He reminds me a lot of Crosby from the from the uh, from uh, the, uh, the Vegas uh, the Vegas Raiders. Uh, you know, really active, plays 110 percent, never stops. Uh, just one of those guys that you hate to play against because you know the whole day he's just going to continue to play and play and play hard. Uh, you know, so uh, the crazy thing is the Chiefs kept six defensive ends uh, on their team this year, which is just a big number for keeping defensive ends. And one of the things that Spags did when he had some athletes in New York 
especially he ran this NASCAR defense where you see a lot of guy, a lot of athletic guys, especially in second and long and third down situations. So you're going to see a lot of guys standing up, a lot of movement, a lot of stunts, a lot of stems, a lot of twists, and some pressure. So uh, one of the things that this defense has gotten, it's gotten faster. You got Bolton and Gay at the linebacker position. You have two defensive ends that have some good speed, and then of course Chris Jones is one of the better defensive tackles in the league. But I really think if you look at this defense, you look up the middle of Chris Jones, you look at Bolton, uh, you look at Gay, and then you look at Thornhill and Reed. The defense is really strong up the middle, and that, that's when I think you're going to see a lot of speed, a lot of quickness on the defensive side. So that's going to help the offense, obviously. You know, the Chiefs offense, Andy Reed's going to be Andy Reed. He's going to get his. He's going. They're going to make some plays, everything else. But the defense has been inconsistent over the years. It looks like this year the defense finally has some athleticism where they could do some things with those guys out there to limit some of the plays that they gave up the last couple of years. Chiefs Hall of Famer and radio host at 810 WHB. Also a new book out. Uh, it's called View from the Center. Tim Grunhard, we thank you so much for your time on this holiday, man. Thanks so much for spending a few with us. Yeah, it's great to talk NFL football. And it's going to be a lot of fun this season. Good luck to the Arizona Cardinals, all the Arizona Cardinal fans, every week but this week. All right, thanks, Tim. <laughs> Appreciate it, man. All right, that was Tim Grunhard joining us on the Arizona Sports Line. Uh, thanks so much for to him for spending time on Labor Day. I know that uh, people are excited about week one, and we wanted to get the perspective uh, from the Kansas City Chiefs. Good perspective. But it's time now to get you ready for the Diamondbacks baseball against the Padres. We'll do our Diamondbacks on deck show next. Mitch Vareldis, Steve Zinsmeister, filling in on the Burns and Gambo show. The home of Arizona Diamondbacks baseball is 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. We're checking in on the D-backs as they warm up for the game's first pitch. D-backs on deck, brought to you by 72 Sold. Get thousands more on your home with no inconvenience. Visit 72sold.com and by Sonic. This is how we Sonic. Stop by your nearest location today for the Sonic Chop House Cheeseburger. For a limited time, only at Sonic. Diamondbacks back in action here on this Labor Day Monday. Mitch Vareldis, Steve Zinsmeister filling in for this final segment here on the Burns and Gambo show today. And the Diamondbacks, after getting three out of four against the Brewers and two out of three against the Phillies at home, they are back on the road taking on direct competition, as we talked about about a half hour ago, the San Diego Padres, Steve. Padres have been an interesting case study because they made a lot of moves at the trade deadline. Obviously, Juan Soto was the biggest piece. Uh, You get Josh Hader, who has just completely fallen apart. I mean, gone from one of the best left-handed relievers in the game to... We don't even know what he's going to be. I mean, his numbers are are comical how high they are, to be honest with you. And I know it's no laughing matter for him, but like as a competition, you got to be looking at the Padres and saying, that's a beatable team. It's a very beatable team. It's scary on paper, I think is the best way we can phrase it. And, you know, we had the conversation about could the Diamondbacks have a miraculous September? Could it at least be miraculous enough where they get to or get back to 500? And I think that this series will be the perfect test for that. It'll be interesting, though, because the pitching matchup, which is brought to you by Native Interiors, your floors, your way, text FLOORS, F-L-O-O-R-S, to 620-620 for more info. It features a Major League debut on the Diamondbacks side. Right-hander Ryan Nelson getting the call today, getting the start against the left-hander. 
Blake Snell. Snell coming in at six and seven, a three eight seven ERA and 124 strikeouts. You want to talk about an interesting case study? Blake Snell's another one of them. A guy who at the age of 25 had his clear-cut best season in 2018 where he had an ERA under two with the Rays and he won the Cy Young. But since then, I wouldn't say he's been much to pay attention to. I mean, this season, a 1.32 whip, that's nothing crazy. An ERA, 3.87, that's pretty good, but it's nothing crazy either. It's weird. Since he's been traded from Tampa, it's like he went from an ace Cy Young pitcher to you're lucky if you need to put him in as your fourth or fifth guy. And I don't think that the Padres were anticipating him being a fourth or fifth guy in their rotation. I think of him, obviously, a different point in his career, but I think of him a lot like Madison Bumgarner for the Diamondbacks. Like, had a whole nother life in San Francisco. Three titles, World Series MVP, all the accolades you can really have as a player. And then comes to Arizona, and he just hasn't been that. But you're like, you know what? If he's my fourth or fifth starter... That's a pretty good guy to have on the bump. I feel the same way about Blake Snell, but Ryan Nelson, definitely the more intriguing uh, option tonight. It's one of many young pitchers that they had in the sitting in the minor leagues. And if it's anything like Tommy Henry, who was the most recent player to make a debut, expect about five innings or so from Ryan Nelson tonight. It's a fully lefty avoiding type of lineup tonight for the Diamondbacks. So everybody loves to know what the outfielders are for this game. Jake McCarthy will be in right, Stone Garrett will be in left, and Alec Thomas will be in center. And they're hitting six, seven, eight in the batting order today. So no Corbin Carroll. That's okay. I mean, I didn't expect him to play every single day. True. But I think, like, where is there going to be an opportunity missed by not playing him? Uh, He's going to have to face lefties at some point. I don't right? know that there's an opportunity missed. I think that they're just looking at having four or five, really five guys that they like right now. Two guys are going to have to sit every day, unless you throw in some DH stuff, which, of course, they will do with Stone Garrett occasionally, with Dalton Varsho occasionally. I've even seen McCarthy DH, I think, recently. So, yeah, at some point, you you do have to figure out what your outfield looks like going forward. This series could have a drastic impact on the MLB standings, which are driven by trucks only. The Valley's number one independent dealer and home of the Lifetime Engine Warranty. We talked about it earlier. The Diamondbacks currently eight and a half out of a wild card spot. They are a half game behind the Giants, and then they are six games behind the Brewers, who are two and a half behind Philadelphia. Now, we talked about it earlier. Is it completely out of the realm of possibility? No. Is it likely? Also no. But it is kind of fun to scoreboard watch, especially when you're going against these types of teams for this final month of the season. Yeah, I think that if you're looking at the wild card standings, San Diego probably looks like the team that's most likely catchable if they can somehow continue to fall apart. Um, I don't know that I would expect that to happen, but it seems plausible. The Diamondbacks just played Philadelphia pretty well last week Mm -hmm. when Corbin Carroll came up. So I think that you could feasibly catch either of those teams. There's zero chance you're catching Atlanta. They're they're winning that first wild card spot. They might even take the division. And they could, They're yeah. a game behind the Mets right now. So if it's not them, it's the Mets. But regardless, that spot is locked up, so there's really two wild cards the Diamondbacks are chasing. Over on the American League side, Seattle has the top wild card spot, but they're only a game ahead of Tampa Bay. And then Tampa Bay has a half game on Toronto, who just took a game one of two today against the Baltimore Orioles, who are three and a half out 
of the final spot. I'm really intrigued by this American League East race going on, too. The Rays have pulled within five of the Yankees yeah. in first place. And not only that, but look who's sitting just outside on the bubble of the wildcard race. That's the Baltimore Orioles, the worst team in baseball last year, right there with the Diamondbacks. And I hate to, I, I mean, I, I think it's a fascinating story, Baltimore story. Yeah. But at the same time, if you're a Diamondbacks fan, you just lost like, out the number better? one pick to them. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. know. They, they got a great pick anyway. I've brought so that up matter. several times, but it's like, how could you not root for them right now? Let's take a look down on the farm. It's brought to you by Redbird Farms. You can't put a price on great taste. The affiliates are all in action tomorrow, it would appear. None of them are playing today on this Labor Day. So the Aces will travel to Salt Lake to take on the Bees. The Arkansas or the Northwestern Arkansas Travelers will travel to Amarillo to face the Sod Poodles. That's double A. The Hillsboro Hops head out on the road. They're going to Washington to face the Everett Aqua Sox. And then the Inland Empire 66ers are going to visit Visalia and take on the Rawhide. I think what's crazy is no matter how many guys they've brought up this season, the Diamondbacks still have a lot of prospects to look forward to. They have a lot. They have a lot. Let's get you a key to tonight's game. I am the key master. D-backs keys to the game, presented by Mist America, home of the patented Mist 360 outdoor cooling system. Visit MistAmerica.com today for a cooler tomorrow. Well, I think easily you could say the key to any game with a major league debut is how is that rookie going to handle the nerves? Ryan Nelson gets his first start. I wouldn't say he's had a fantastic season in AAA, but it is the PCL. How much do we put into how much stock do we put into those numbers? Right. But he gets his major league debut. I hope he's up. I hope he's a part of this team going forward. Uh, and I'm looking forward to see him on the bump tonight. My key is on the other side of the bound. Blake Snell had a pretty okay month given the year that he's had. He did have one blemish against Cleveland two starts ago where he allowed six runs and three and a third innings. Can you get after Blake Snell early and make him suffer his first loss in September? That's going to do it for us. Thank you all for tuning in. We've got Diamondbacks baseball coming up next. Really cool filling in for two shows today, not just one. <laughs> Mitch Varel is here. Steve Zinsmeister over there. I want to thank Eric Ruby for providing updates all day and Jesse Morrison behind the glass producing all the shows that we provided. Diamondbacks baseball is coming up next on 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. You've been listening to D-Backs on Deck. Brought to you by 72 Sold. Get thousands more on your home with no inconvenience. Visit 72sold.com. And by Sonic. This is how we Sonic. Stop by your nearest location today for the Sonic Chop House Cheeseburger. For a limited time, only at Sonic.